You're listening to Discovering Multifamily, where we discuss all educational topics in commercial real estate with an emphasis on multifamily apartment investing via syndication. And now your hosts, former NFL fullback Brian Leonard and Anthony Scandariato. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Discovering Multifamily podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Scandariato, here with Red Knight Properties. And today we have a special guest here with us, uh, Ken G. And Ken's been in the business for a long time, uh, definitely longer than me, and uh, over 23 years of a lot of different real estate experience in actually states where we're also invested, uh, Ohio and Florida being two. Um, he's a founder of KRI Pro- Partners and KRI KRI Partners and KRI Properties, and uh, he has different multifamily real estate funds. He also has a property management company, um, and he's just been around for a while. I think he started KRI in 1997, right, Ken? That's right. That's exactly right. Um, and you know, he's obviously been through different economic cycles, uh, including you know the one we're about to go into or are already in. We're recording this in October of 2023. Um, so a lot of interesting things going on in the market and the economy right now. And, um, you know, what we're going to talk about here is Ken's been on the active and passive side of investing for a long time. And there are a few different things Ken uh, and I are going to talk about in terms of, um, if you're a passive investor, you know, what to look for when evaluating, you know, different investment opportunities, because there is a lot of it. There's a lot of money still floating around. Um, and not all of it is going towards, you know, good opportunities or maybe they're good opportunities, but the people behind it are uh, are not going to execute and, um, you know, uh, aren't going to communicate properly. So uh, there are four different, well, it's really more than four, but four different key points that we're going to um, hone down here um, in terms of what to look for. So thank you so much for coming on, Ken. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right. So, yeah. So, um Obviously, you've been doing this for a long time. So obviously, you know, we could debate whether or not we're in a recession or going into a recession. But um, there's a lot of money floating around the past couple of years and a lot of interesting things might be coming up soon. And uh, that might be due to maybe lack of education or even bad actors. So, like, what are you doing moving forward to mitigate risk? And uh, what are some things that um, you know, investors, whether they're invested in real estate or other private placements, uh, need to look out for um, in, evalu- in evaluating them moving forward. Yeah, sure. So, uh, uh, th- and thanks for letting me talk on this topic because it really is something I've come to be really passionate about. And that is, um, like you said, there is a lot of money out there looking for a home, looking for a place to invest. And uh, since the Jobs Act of 2012, this whole thing that we do right now, and that is go out and raise money without doing a formal IPO, has really opened up, well, lots of opportunities, not only for us as sponsors and as fund managers, but for investors. And so what I've seen happen over the last few years is that people really are trying to struggle with, okay, who should I invest with? Should I invest with this guy, this gal? What you know? What is it? How do I figure all this out? Because you know, I think in in some time, you know, in some cases, they kind of view it as the wild west, right? It's not really regulated. All these uh, all these offerings are exempt from SEC uh, scrutiny, so to speak, because they meet the 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 requirements. And I'm totally for that. So 
what I found, you know, I thought long and hard about this, and this, this, this concept kind of evolved over time. And what I came down to was four things that if you're a passive invest, investor, if you can just follow these four kind of rules or guidelines, you know, nothing's going to make or guarantee that you're going to have a, a perfect investment. But what it'll do is help you identify the red flags. It'll help you, you know, perk your ears up. It'll give you what you need to follow your gut and either invest or not invest. So the first one, it's kind of obvious. I mean, you should always try to invest with somebody with experience, right? That that just makes sense. I mean, the more experience somebody has, uh, you would hope the better the better chances they will have for success. And and it's uh, of course experience matters, but it's it's why experience is so important is what is important to me. And that is, you know, like I said, we've been around since '97. So we've seen so many real estate cycles, including 0809. We've seen the credit markets just completely shut down. We've seen uh, people, you know, situations when people weren't able to manage their debt maturities and their interest rate risk and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that's completely unrelated to real estate, right? It has nothing to do with do you put a new kitchen in or not? This is, you know, financial stuff and things like that. So it's that experience that uh, hopefully puts your management team uh, in a position where you know that they have they have been there, done that, and they they might be well equipped to figure out how to deal with whatever's coming next. Right when you just think back over the last few years, nobody predicted COVID, then nobody predicted this massive inflation, then nobody predicted an interest rate rise that has just been unbelievable. I mean, it's just nearly impossible to deal with uh, if you're if you weren't careful when you uh, set up your loans. So number one is experience. Number two, it kind of goes along with that track record. And you want somebody to be able to verify their track record, right? So there's two types of track records. One is to say we we bought this and we bought that, or we've been part of large groups that bought this and bought that. What's really important is has that firm gone full cycle on their deals? If they've gone full cycle, now you know they started, they operated, they stopped, and they made money. Now the deal's done, right? Especially with syndications, because you're buying one asset, you're buying in, you're running it, you're making money at the end. And there's it's hard to argue, did they make money or not? Because the money in and out tells the story there. So that track record's important. Now what's even more important, there used to be a company out there called Veravest. They're still around. They would verify sponsors' track records. And we hired them several years ago to go back and dig through our 25 years, 26 years of history, and literally verify every single transaction that we've done. So we paid them. We paid them a lot of money to do this because I thought it was really important that if I said to you, Anthony, hey, look at my track record. I've done really well and and blah, 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 that you have some reason to think that I didn't just make it up and put it down on a piece of paper, right? I mean, what's to stop people from doing that? Well, Verivest existed for that purpose, right? To To look under the hood, I had to send them settlement statements and uh, operating agreements and tax returns and ba- I mean it was hor- it was a horrific process as it should be over the last 25 years but we got through it now they no longer actually provide that service but you know they've already vetted us so we're we continue to be on their website you can see our our track record as they have verified it on their website so I, that kind of stuff is important to me so you got experience now you got track record and then the third thing I want you to do is think about, and this one's harder, but you want your sponsor uh, or the firm that you're invested with to align your goals with theirs. 
and do everything possible to make sure that they put you first, right? So it's alignment and putting you first. What you don't want to do, and the best way, you know, I've, try, I've gone round and round in my head trying to figure out how to help people figure this out. I mean, what does that mean, put me first? Well, first thing you got to do is read the document, read the private placement memorandum, and just see who gets money and when, because that's really what it all boils down to, and then figure out, um, okay, is it possible for that sponsor to do really well? And me not as the investor. Well, if that if the answer to that question is yeah, the sponsor can make a killing and I can just do okay, well then maybe maybe you should rethink that a particular investor. Now, as you know, the terms are all over the market, right? They're all over the map in terms of how the waterfalls go and this profit sharing and all that kind of stuff. All I would say is, and you're probably never gonna find, I think it's probably impossible to find perfect alignment, but what you want to do is make sure that those terms put you and that sponsor together so that you're both focused on the exact same thing. That's what's important and that they not get paid out before you do, right? That just seems that just seems counterintuitive to me. And then the last thing, which believe it or not, I hear the most complaints about when we talk to investors and, and it just blows my mind and that is transparency, right? So you go back to the Veribest thing. I mean, you can't get much more transparent than that. Hiring somebody to, I mean, we spent five figures plus trying to get them, you know, to have them go through our track record. That's a level of transparency that I think is critical in this business. So what we hear a lot is, you know, I, I invested, but then I didn't hear again from the sponsor for six months, right? You, you don't, I mean, it seems, it just blows my mind. Like, how could you do that? How could anyone do that to an investor? But they do it. So what you want to do is ask around, you know, how transparent is this? What kind of communication can you expect from that sponsor? We, for example, uh, first of all, all of our sponsors or all of our investors have my cell phone and my email address. If they have a question, they can call me anytime they want. And I'm going to give them the real answer. Um, secondly, we we do quarterly uh, distributions. And along with that, uh, we've been told they like this. They really like this. So we send them all the financials, the P&L, the balance sheet, the rent roll, all that kind of stuff. But we also take the time to write up a narrative, right? So maybe the property is in the middle of a renovation, we tell them exactly what's going on in each one of the projects and and send them pictures and do things like that. It's it's transparency. It's that level of transparency because on the other end of the spectrum, like like I said, some people just don't communicate with their investors or they get a generic response when they do have a question and or they just, you know, they, they might get financials from time to time, but they have no idea what's behind them because the financials are so condensed and so summarized that it really doesn't really have any real value. So experience, track record, make sure they put you first and make sure you're aligned there, your goals are aligned. And then finally, transparency. If you can nail those four things, and, and I'm sure there's probably something else, but if you can nail those four things, I feel like you're going to go a long way to finding those things that might, you know, stress you about a particular sponsor. Yeah, and you talk and you, to put it in context, Ken. You're dealing with retail investors, correct? I yeah, I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And, most uh, most institutional investors like to control the deals, uh, and we tend to not. We we prefer to be in control of our own deals. Absolutely. So even in my business as well, because we're in similar businesses, um, mm -hmm. it's great that you provide financials and basically updates we do the same thing we do actually monthly uh high level deal updates which a lot of people appreciate um the, the financials if somebody for us if somebody requests it we'll provide it um 
I found with retail investors, it could be a little, it could, like you said, it could be a little confusing um, if you just give me financials and there's no context around it. So I think, I think that's great that you're doing financials and then the context around it. Um, Cause it could be, you know, especially to, I don't know how many retail partners you have on each specific deal, but it could, I would have to imagine it's probably more than a dozen. So um, yeah. Yeah. We probably in total, we probably manage about 250 investors to give you an idea. Okay. So it just depends on the deal, depends on the size of the fund. I mean, we've done some syndications. We've we are now doing funds so that we have the funds available to that and that's the best way to buy right now. Cause it's just the credit markets are tightening up, as you know. No, absolutely. Um, how do you what really blows my mind over the past couple of years, and again, we're in October of 2023. Um, it seems to me I see in the real deal or any other real estate publication where deals have gone really, really bad and the spot, you know, the investors and the sponsors, both of them lose all their money very quickly. Um, and the deal just goes back. Um, whether that's due to fraud or due to just really gross incompetence or way too many active partners trying to get a piece of the cookie jar and they can't make a decision. Um, it just, I think the verification is great, and it's great that you spent the money to do that. With I know Veribest as well, Lance over there, and um, it's great that that you were able to do that. Um, you know, obviously Veribest is just one way for verification. Um, I'm sure there are a couple of others that I'm not aware of. Um, what like what blows my mind is some of these deals are two hundred, three hundred million, and these people have no real estate experience. Number one is experience. And they were able to, maybe they came from See? tech and they raised $50 million. And then it's, it's, it's gone. Cause they, they just did really asinine things that you and I would never do as real estate professionals. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think how that, do you vet it, them? It's just, yeah, like, well, that's experience, Anthony. See, see that just broke rule. Number one experience they don't have experience in the real estate space now here's what's interesting uh there i mean there's so much to unpack with what you just said number one i see most people don't think of owning an apartment community as owning a business and that that blows my mind because this apartment community everyone that we own has customers has employees have insurance has maintenance has marketing has competitor i mean every single thing that goes into we even need to innovate right we're not we don't need to innovate as hard as a tech company does but we need to get better every single day about you know at how we do it you know and and just kind of make sure that we're operating as efficiently as possible so that's the first thing i see people do is they just you know maybe that tech guy that you described that got into the real estate business I don't know that they really understood that it was really a business. They view it more as a passive activity. And if you're the sponsor, <laughs> I'm here to tell you it's nothing passive about being a sponsor in a real estate deal. The other thing that I think people, when I see these deals, let's let's set fraud aside, right? Because it's let, let's let's ignore that for a minute. But if you look at some of these deals that go south quickly, I usually find it's a combination of two things. One the lack of experience going in. So people don't really know what they're looking at, right? It looks one way. There's a lot of lipstick on the pig, so to speak. And whether that's, you know, physically or financially, there's a lot of things that people do to mislead others. Let, or not, let, let's not use the word mislead. Let's just say 
to do, they, they put their best foot forward, okay? And if you're not experienced, you might not recognize those things. So then when you do that, you go into the deal, maybe with a business plan that's flawed, maybe you really didn't understand how hard you had to work on your rent survey to make sure you understood the market. And then you hire a third-party manager. So now you take, which also blows my mind that people do this all the time, and some do it very successfully, I have to tell you. Um, I've never been able to do it successfully. I, I outsourced back in 1997. I hired a third-party manager for 30 days. <laughs> that was all it took. I said, nope, you're not going to do this the way I want. So I took it back. But what I find is most people won't buy a business and then hire someone else to run every single aspect of that business and just get financial reports. But they do it with apartment buildings all day long, which leads me back to that point that they don't really think of apartment buildings as businesses, because but they are. They are. So when I see that thing tank like you described, it's usually a combination of those two things. And then when the third party manager is there, you know, now you've got a business plan that was kind of flawed. And now you got a third party manager trying to implement that business plan, but it's not even their asset. So now you really got to dig in and you've got to find a way to make up for the flawed business plan. And third party managers struggle with that because it really gets ugly when you when you make a mistake going in, like you thought rents could go up three hundred bucks, but you find they could only go up a hundred bucks. Well, that I mean that just blows up your whole your whole business plan. But now, how do you still make that deal work? You see, mm -hmm. so when I see these things happen and they go down quickly, that's usually what happens. Uh, not every time, but I see that happen a lot. Now you yeah. put that on top of what we're experiencing now, the people didn't understand how to manage their debt. You know, there there's a lot of people who believe interest rates were not going to move for a very, very long time. And the Fed couldn't have blown that up any harder. I mean, it was just I mean, to, to it is nearly impossible to hedge that kind of interest rate risk. I mean, we're talking about four or five hundred basis points in, in an almost, you know, year and a half, something like that. The only way to do it was to make sure that your business plan was disciplined Make sure you really had a, new, a lot of new cash flow and you actually executed on that mm -hmm. because new cash flow fixes all these problems, mm -hmm. fixes higher insurance, fixes higher interest expense. And so if you went in with a bridge loan and you executed an incredible business plan, then you're able to refinance yourself out of it and you're fine. And mm -hmm. you're able to lock in for five, seven years. But if you, if you missed on anything, if you missed on your business plan, if now you're behind, you don't have capital behind you to sort of shore that up, then you're you're finding yourself in trouble right now. And that's kind of what we're looking for. There's a lot of sellers out there right, right now. They're in that situation. And so they have a choice. They can sell it as quickly as they can and just just get out of it. Or if they let it go back to the bank, it's it's gonna get even worse. I, I know because I've seen it happen in 08 and 09. Yeah. It happened all yeah, it's it's it appears to me there's a lot of um the financial engineering over the, instead of and you hit the nail on the head, you need to treat operating, whether it's apartments or an industrial or storage building as a business and as an active business. Um, you know, it's not just numbers on a spreadsheet. Um, I, I totally agree with that. And I feel like a lot of real estate investors underestimate that. And uh, including, so we, my company, we self-manage all our apartment buildings as well. And very similar mindset to you. We were considering third partying uh, one of our buildings. And uh, I talked to a few managers. I'm like, this ain't going to work out before I even pulled the trigger on it. 
Um, and <laughs> well, you were smarter than me. I did pull the trigger and, <laughs> and uh, reeled it in really quick. Yeah. Um, you know. So it's yeah. So it's, to your point, it's, it really comes down to experience. Um, you know, but also experience, as you said, experience. Um, people in our industry didn't expect interest rates to go up this quickly, this fast, too. Um, so it's, you know, I think it, kind of similar to what you said, like just just figuring out as a passive investor, though, sometimes you don't know the right questions to ask. So how, how can you like, especially with the the debt maturities, you know, how long did you fix your interest rate in for? Like that's to me, that's an easy question. But to someone just trusting another operator how do they know what to ask? Like, what, what kind of advice do you have? Yeah, so, Anthony, that's a really good question. And what I find happens is pa- passive investors, um, first of all, if you follow the four rules, experience, track record, you know, all those things, you're going to increase the chances that that sponsor has been through things, right? And is going to just know to manage the risk, right? Sometimes, Sometimes people can't mitigate a risk that they don't even know is there, right? Think COVID, for example. I mean, nobody knew that was coming, but you know, experienced managers figured out how to get through it. But that experience thing is the number one thing because as a passive investor, you're not going to know all of the questions to ask. I will tell you, the lawyers do a pretty good job in the private placement memorandum of showing your your risk factors. Yeah. I mean, they just sit down and figure. They just put everything they can. I think. Most PPMs are probably two-thirds risk factors, right? And so so that is a, certainly a good place to start and use that as a, oh, yeah, let's ask about that. Let's ask about this. Here's what's critical. You're not going to know all the questions to ask, but the ones that you do ask, you got to look for insightful answers. This is the key. Every single thing we do, here, here's what I find the difference between experience and not experience. If I ask a sponsor a question, and I get a superficial answer that doesn't drill down into the, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. And this is why we're going to do it this way. If you get usually inexperienced sponsors, they might have an idea what to do, but they don't know how or why they're doing it necessarily, right? I'm not, this, I'm generalizing. So if you're a new sponsor, don't be offended. I'm, this isn't everybody. But that is something that you can look for as a passive investor. If you ask me a question about, Ken, why did you project rents to be this amount? And why is it going to take you three years to get there? And how are you going to, I'm going to take you through every single step of the way, exactly why I believe that and exactly why I think my uh, assumptions are going to be conservative. And I'm going to tell them exactly what I'm going to do to try to accelerate that, that process, right? So it's going to get really detail-oriented because if you can tell not just the what, but the how and the why, there's a pretty good chance that that sponsor might be well thought out. They might have experience. Uh, and it that's the best advice I can get passive investors because when you have that kind of a response, it 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 it's completely different than that superficial, yeah, oh, we're going to raise rents. Uh, how much? Well, rents in the area are, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. see, that's a general answer. Yeah. No, I've done a rent survey of all the properties within one mile I've not only looked at the properties that we directly compete with today, but I looked up at tier and I want to know what properties we're going to compete with after we've done our business plan. And this is where I think we're going to fit into our into our new competitive set. You see what happens here? See the mm-hmm. detail? Mm-hmm. That's what happened. That's how sponsor, or I'm sorry, passive investors 
and vet sponsors with just looking at the detail of those answers and the insightfulness on those answers. Yeah, I really like that the detail. That's that's something um, that's really insightful, actually. Because um, yeah, if you give you give general answers, uh, yeah, generally for me it would turn me off uh, as a, as a passive investor. Um, but I really like that. Well, ask, you're an experienced sponsor, so you know you know what happens out there. Ask and, the detail, and, yeah. And and the, I think we're both in the same in the same uh, zone here. We want I want I don't care if you invest with us or if you invest with anybody else. I want you to be successful as a passive investor. Yeah, because if you're not successful, it hurts everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, wow. All right. Well, we we covered a lot here. <laughs> a little short on time, uh, but I love those four things, and we'll post them in our uh, social media description as well as on iTunes. And if you liked what you heard and or saw today please give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps Ken and my message get out to a greater audience. And how can my audience find you, Ken, as we wind down? Yeah, the easiest way to go to kripartners.com slash invest, uh, kripartners.com slash invest. And that'll take you to our, our information page. that will give you everything you need to know about what we do, how we do it, what we're doing right now with respect to raising funds for what deal. And, uh, and, you know, it's everything's right there in one place for you. So kripartners.com slash invest. Sounds good. Thanks so much for coming on, Ken. Really appreciate yeah, it. Man. Thanks so much for having me.